podcast for and about financial advisors. I'm your host, Dave Polis, and today we've got a very relevant and timely show for you. Our guest is Dr. Chris Pearson, founder and CEO of Black Cloak, a cybersecurity firm specializing in ultra-high net worth individuals, C-suite executives, and family offices. We're going to be talking about the five biggest dangers of remote work for employees in terms of cybersecurity and how you can fix each one so that you're protecting one of your most valuable assets, your data. Dr. Pearson is the founder and CEO of Black Cloak, which specializes in protecting its customers from financial loss, cybercrime, hacking, reputational damage, privacy exposure, and identity theft. Dr. Pearson serves as the Department of Homeland Security's Data Privacy and Integrity Advisory Committee, DHS's Cybersecurity Subcommittee, and is a Distinguishing Fellow at the Ponemon Institute. Chris has been fighting cybercrime for over 20 years, with DHS as President of the Federal Bureau of Investigation's Arizona InfraGuard, and in other roles as Chief Information Security Officer for various financial companies. Chris was a founding executive of ViewPost, a fintech payments company serving as their CISO and general counsel, and was the first Chief Privacy Officer as VP for the Royal Bank of Scotland's U.S. operations, leading its privacy and data protection program. Chris was also a corporate attorney for Lewis & Roca, where he established its cybersecurity practice, representing companies who were hacked and fell victim to data breaches. Chris is a globally recognized keynote speaker and cybersecurity thought leader, board advisor for startups, and is frequently quoted by the media on cybersecurity and privacy. Chris, thanks for joining us today. I know you're very busy these days with everybody working from home. We're glad to have you back. Yeah, no, not a problem. My pleasure. It's uh, it's been a while since we talked, and and of course we're not we're not meeting in in person these days. We're we're all remote. <laughs> yes, isn't this fun? And in the era of COVID nineteen, working remotely isn't something that businesses wanted to do or have a choice in. It's something that at one point they had to do in order to survive. That obviously brings with it some challenges, both logistically and from a security standpoint, as workers were hastily packed off to work from home and policies, procedures, and equipment were cobbled together in order to keep the trains running on time. What are the corporate clients telling you are their largest worries regarding remote workers, Chris? Well, I mean, right now, I mean, the the biggest worries, uh, the biggest worries are, well, there are a few, and I think we're going to talk about them, but the biggest worries are making sure that things that are happening in their personal lives, things the company doesn't have control over, right, the network, their personal devices, personal email, that those, right, and other family members, that those things don't cause a negative impact to the company, that insecurities in the home network don't cause an ability for there to be breached back into the company or for corporate materials that are now making their way onto corporate or personal uh, devices and personal emails, that those aren't also breached and once again, adding in corporate risk. So it's this, it's this unique world that everyone's woken up to. The home's always been, always been the next battleground, um, but that ongoing battle is raging even more so now because cyber adversaries know where people are spending most of their time. They know that they're logging in every single day, and it used to be every single night, but now it's every single day from the home environment, and they know that that is a messy, less secure environment. So companies want to make sure that they can protect beyond its walls, protect devices that are not theirs, accounts that are not theirs, and networks that are not theirs, so they don't have a right hacking risk, a reputational risk, a financial risk, or some other data loss incident. So that really sets up a conundrum for the company. Since everyone's either continued to work as an essential employee or as a remote worker, computer networks have been put to use to help companies' employees stay connected like never before. But 
Even if you're going into an office or workplace, you still have to communicate by some means with those who aren't, uh, which means learning new video conferencing platforms, more frequent emails, use of communication platforms like Teams or Slack. It also means that your remote employees are in a different, less controlled environment than the typical office setting, and that's what you were talking about before. Remote workers are using a wide range of devices, mingling home and work hardware and software, getting distracted by outside events, moving files in different ways to accommodate the new situation. Each of these has its own challenges, not the least of which is security for the network they're connected to. For our discussion today, we're going to focus on the challenges these things in a remote worker's life pose to keeping the network and the data on it secure. We've got a kind of a countdown show on previous episodes, and I think it'd be a great way to tell people about the different security challenges posed by having a remote staff. Let's get started and review the top five risks to cybersecurity, and we'll discuss how to reinforce or fix them a little later on. Now, number five, network risks. And this is kind of the the, the mode around the fort, right? This is the big one that you got to get right the first time. It is. I mean, you know, when you, a firewall is not a be all and end all. It isn't a, hey, you have one, so now you're cyber secure. But in a person's home environment, the router, well, I mean, obviously the network modem, you know, your AT&T, Verizon, Comcast, whatever, right? Obviously having that set up correctly. But then the next piece of appliance, the next thing that happens after that, sometimes it's two in one, uh, but but usually it's you know more separated. Um, the, having that device, right, making sure that it is secure, making sure that it is blocking other adversaries, making sure that simple things can't be found out about your home network, making sure the Wi-Fi is secure and all the rest, like that is where it starts. So the router, the firewall is absolutely where it starts from a cybersecurity perspective when you're talking about the employee's home and home network. The other layers there are, are interesting. You know, for most people, they have some type of IoT devices inside the network. Smart TV is an IoT device, and Amazon Alexa is an IoT device. The Ring doorbell, uh, the lights that you have that are LED that are controllable, you know, via your phone. All of these different things are all IoT devices that introduce other network risks, but it's your home. The company can't tell you what to do, right? They just exist. You have to be able to manage them. Home automation, you know, executives especially, executives, board members, key personnel, uh, those that are more well-to-do, uh, they are going to have entire home automation suites within their home that actually control every aspect of their home, the lighting, the garden, the this, the that, the pool, the spa, everything. Those are also another right avenue in, in terms of network risks and the devices. Um, right, critical because everyone, just about everyone has a right, maybe a significant other, some kids running around, whatever. Um, they have other people, roommates, uh, other people that are there that are sharing that network. Whatever happens right on their devices uh, can also happen on your devices. It's one big juicy network, and so those kind of risks are unique to the home environment. Now, it they've always right, David, they've always been there in some form or fashion. People have always, right, maybe they, they, they come home at, at, you know, come home from work at 6 p.m., do things with maybe maybe the kids or, or do social things, and then they get back on quickly to check email from 9 to 10, and they might have VPNed in or done, done something else there. But that one hour of the day, we're never putting the genie back in the, in the bottle on this one. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that entire companies, entire populations, entire countries have gone remote for one, two, three, five, six, nine months. and um, Network risks are here to stay. So really, the, the prolif proliferation of devices and the size and the, and the entry point number 
for that network is one of the biggest dangers. I know in our house, if you count printers, I've probably got 14 devices running on our network in here. And then you throw the work ones in on top and it's really starting to, to leak around the edges if you're not careful. Which really brings us right into number four, the sneaker net. Mixing personal and work devices for convenience. I know I grab my phone and answer work email every once in a while, and I know it's not as secure as the other way, but it's in my hand already. How do we fix this, and, and what's the biggest danger here? First off, we'll fix it later. Dangers here really are, let's focus on the key ones. So needing access to something and needing it when you want it, how you want it, so you can do your work. <laughs> you can get stuff done. Um, if there are so many right? So many impediments, so much friction on your work device because it's not set up for you to be productive at home. And you always have to call someone or get admin rights to install this or do that. It's just easier to install the stuff on your personal device, email the, uh, the, the document over to your personal device, email whatever you're working on to your personal device, or put in a USB and sneak your net it over that way. Then people are going to do it. They're not going to sit there for two hours waiting for support to go and, and help them do this thing, that thing, whatever, when they can just lean over to the other device and get it done. It's all about work productivity, being productive. And the fact of the matter is that you're out of sight of kind of your bosses, of, of the people that you're working with. And so at the end of the day, you're going to be measured on, are you being productive? Yes or no? So the sneaker net of, hey, using USB drives, using other hard drives, even just wirelessly transferring things, things device device, and or emailing them back and forth. And maybe, well, I don't email them. I use an app to encrypt it so nobody knows and it goes from one place to the other. And it doesn't matter, right? Transferring items from one place, one medium to a personal, from the corporate medium to a, a personal medium is really a big risk here. That brings us right into our big number three risk, which is the use of personal devices for work. And it's kind of the flip side of the one we just talked about in that it's not the, the, the file that's being moved, it's the device that's being moved. And that creates its own problems, doesn't it? It does. Look, the, the fact of the matter is, is that you, know, you have two different folks that are going to be there. Well, you have really three different types of things. You have the, the devices that are more your phone and tablet devices. Uh, maybe they have a password on it. Maybe they don't. Maybe you forward uh, forward things and are working on that device. Um, and maybe it's your personal Gmail. So now that document gets attached to your personal Gmail cloud instance. Uh, in other cases, you are simply transferring things from your work laptop to your personal laptop uh, to get things done. Do you delete it afterwards? Do you remove it afterwards? Is it stuck in email? Um, you know, what do you do with it? How does it remain there? And the fact of the matter is, is that all of those devices, they're not managed. You know, they shouldn't be, right? They should not be managed by the company. Um, but those devices, you don't know what people have. Do they have malware on it? Do they have keyboard loggers on it? Do they have, uh, do they have or will they get ransomware by which at some point in time, someone's going to say, huh, this person does a lot of M&A activity. This person does a lot of financial accounting activity. Oh, they're the comptroller for Acme Bank, and they were sending this over. I can see why. It's a really great you know, Excel spreadsheet. They must have had to manipulate it or print it out. And to get connected to their home printer, they had to go ahead and use their, their personal device. Wow, let's mine this document. Let's mine this data. Let's mine this person. So that use of personal devices for work is where you massively expand the attack surface. And guess what? Everyone's doing it. There is no, right, it's, you know, no, we can lock this down, lock that down, whatever. And we'll talk about, you know, some things you can do. But the fact of the matter is, is that it, people are going to be able to get around almost all those different types of controls. So you have to figure out what the risk is, 
and how to mitigate it, how to control it. But it is definitely, definitely a risk, especially now. And really, when you think about it, the, just the widest variety of those devices that are out there that you'd have to cover if you wanted to or if the company was able to, it, it would be a huge nightmare to try and control all that stuff. Too much, too much variation. What is someone running? Is so running Windows 7? So running 8.1? Are they running 10? Which version of 10? Nine operating systems. Yeah, I mean. Devices types, yeah, four yeah. platforms. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even like, even, uh, you know, just like Apple just last week, uh, uh, you know, depending on when this comes out. I mean, you know, just last week, Apple released the, uh, you know, the new architecture actually yesterday. Uh, 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 it came out, you can buy the new ARM architecture. So no longer an Intel chip, which means everyone's software doesn't work really as is. There are a whole bunch of pieces of software that just don't work on the new on the new Mac architecture. I mean, that don't work yet. They, of course, they'll get there, but is it going to be 30, 60, 90 days? I mean, it, it, there's whole, whole uh, you know, issues there in terms of personal versus, uh, versus the work devices. Right, and those personal devices were not designed to be secured by big enterprise network security anyway. And the personal information flying back and forth on those is often juicier than the stuff that comes out of the office. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're already a target, whether you know it or not. Which brings us to our next item of risk. Number two, lack of support for IT functions. With everybody in far-flung locations and different environments and levels of capability and skill primarily, firms need to beef up their help function, as well as purchasing and tracking of software in order to clamp all this stuff down. What's the biggest risk there for, for the IT person except for no sleep? Well, you know, this one's an interesting one because, you know, it's when you're in an office environment, you know, you can lean over and be like, hey, Larry, did you get that? Uh, did you get that email on the, the my UPS package being downstairs? Or, hey, um, you know, did you do this thing over here? Right. They're able to talk about it. You're able to converse. You're able to say, oh, that doesn't seem right. You know, go call IT or something's wrong. Right, go IT, uh, call IT. So this lack of support for IT functions is is both in terms of like actual help and support, like security wise, in terms of hey, what's going on. It also is a look. If I just can't figure it out, I'm going to go around things. And once again, goes back to using a personal device, sneaker netting, and and expanding the attack service for the corporate documents and the treasure trove of information you have there. Um, but it also means that you don't have a friend. It means you don't have a friend to talk to in terms of scams. You don't have a friend to be able to talk to in terms of, wait, was that you really asking me to send that that wire to the new account number? I thought we talked about this yesterday. I thought it was the old that, that other account number, but now you want it here? Eh, make up your mind. Well, I'll just send it because I want to be in good graces um, uh, and other types of situations. Just without that helper, without access to that helper, people are less apt to submit a ticket, less apt to make the call less apt to get helping hands. And that is bad news for everyone. Um, definitely bad news for everyone. Oh, if, if there's a queue or you're stacked up for two hours waiting for a, a reply or a solution from IT, you're going to try and work your own way around it. There, there's Nobody wants to waste that kind of time anywhere. Even if they're not feeling particularly productive that day, they're definitely want to get on with it uh, in less than two hours. So realistically, the response times have to be higher. But the help also has to be there more more frequently. Well, that's the thing is is and it's also one of those things where surprisingly it's a little out of sight, out of mind in some cases. So, because you're home, you don't think to lean over and ask someone or call someone, right? You're like, ah, I just got it. I just gotta get. I gotta. I gotta power through this for, before my next meeting. Um, you, you know, you, you don't feel like you have that support. Maybe it's a, you know, larger organizations, they have the outsource support and it's, you know, mostly all phone based and remote based, but you know, for other companies, it's like, 
that there's there's a person in the office you know that comes by and fixes the this fixes the that says oh no you know hey we got to update this or update that it's just if that person isn't there um if that representative isn't there if that face of it isn't there um that you know for some reason that does does cause issues yeah it certainly does now that it person is responsible for an awful lot of things uh, policing the source of certain documents is not necessarily one of them, but it ends up being their problem anyway, which brings us to our number one risk, phishing. Chris, can you give me a, a really succinct, accurate definition of what phishing actually is? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, the, the easiest way to describe it is, you know, trying to fake someone into interacting with something that is bad so that it downloads your computer and does more bad things. So, um, it's usually going to be a link and trying to get you to click on the link so that malware runs and does whatever that malware is programmed to do or open a document that's attached to email once again so that it will load and run malware and the malware will do what it is pre-programmed to do. In some cases, it might be a click a link and log in. You know, hey, this Google Doc is waiting for you or the, you know, next year's uh, bonus list is out already, uh, you know, click here and log in and get credentials. But it's either going to try to get you to give up credentials, give up financial information, give up information on yourselves, or click on something that is bad and let it run and right more badness occurs. And that phishing is where somebody is pretending to be someone who they're not or try to head fake you into, right, divulging that information. So the, the fact of the matter is, is that phishing is going to be most likely targeted at corporations to have them a right get malware on a system somehow get a foothold within the company b go ahead and give up credentials hey you have to reset your windows uh, password here's you know log in here right once again so the bad guys can break into the company or three look just go for the easy cash grab Hey, send uh, you know send your uh, the the change of bank instructions uh, types of emails uh, that are business email compromise or other things there. Um, but it's really looking for that 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 place for you to interact with an email or interact with others to do things on their behalf. Um, and just simply the almighty index finger, the almighty click. So that's that's really where phishing, I mean, it, it involves everything from viruses to ransomware. Um, involves everything, right? It, under the sun in that topic, and especially ransomware, I mean, you know, frankly, you know, that is a that is a scourge and has been a scourge, especially since uh, uh, COVID-19. It's been a scourge in terms of healthcare institutions, hospitals being hit um, and having to pay ransoms in order to stay up and running. So ransomware has really run rampant this past year and and is a uh, major uh, phishing is a major vector of attack for uh, ransomware. So really, they're looking for an access point either to get something out or to put something in. And they're using everything from social engineering and Pavlovian training in some cases. When you see a link, the urge to click on it is very strong. Oh, yeah. Um, especially when you think there's something at the end of the rainbow for you. Uh, it's it's a very smart, and they've gotten better at it. They've gotten much better at disguising the, the identity of where it's coming from. The email addresses are closer to the real thing. The, the, the texts on these things is getting much, much tighter. The syntax isn't as butchered as it used to be. Oh, absolutely. Everything has gotten better. It's all, I mean, look, I mean, this is, this is the 94% of all corporate data breaches start with a phishing email, right? In terms of getting a foothold in the company, right? Foothold in the company. Um, and different surveys say different things, but they're all plus 90%. So not clicking, not interacting, not giving up your corporate credentials, right? Will really slow an adversary down. Wow. That's a big number. 
Chris, we're up on a short break. When we come back, we'll reveal to the audience what they can do to take care of some of these remote work security issues. We'll be right back. Are you an RIA or financial advisor looking to grow and scale your practice, but feel like you could use some help? Feel like there are lots of growth options out there, but don't have time to research them and don't want to make an expensive mistake? Want to spend more time helping clients instead of time-consuming investment research, compliance checks, or transactional work? If you answered yes to any of these, Pinnacle Advisor Solutions has the answers you need. With a range of outsourced options and financial planning support, Pinnacle has a solution that fits your needs, budget, and circumstances to help you scale up, grow your practice, or put a succession plan in place. For more information or to set up an appointment, call 201-919-4838. And we're back with Dr. Chris Pearson, and I want to start showing the audience how to address some of these cybersecurity issues we've talked about earlier before they become a problem. Let's take them in order. Fix number one, network security. How do we get that system tightened down so that nobody even gets beyond the moat for the castle? Yeah. So, so I mean, these are your home networks. These are your personal networks. The first thing that really needs to happen here is education. So simple one pager from the company to each individual of the steps that they can take to double check to make sure, A, that their router, their modem, their firewall, that that is all set up correctly. And, and it just even, even at an abstract level, it's just as simple as log in to make sure it's not admin admin or user admin, right? Make sure that the actual password to that controls the device is something that you've uniquely set. So that, that's number one, making sure that it's it's locked down. So, you know, not just anybody can get access to it. That's number one. Number two, going ahead and making sure that the password to actually get on your Wi-Fi is something that's unique and not known to everyone in the neighborhood. Um, you can make it as complex as you want, but at the end of the day, it just needs to be something that not everyone knows. Three making sure that you have some type of guest Wi-Fi. So don't put the kids' friends on the main Wi-Fi. Don't put you know the aunt and uncle this holiday weekend uh, on your main Wi-Fi. Put them on the guest. Call the guest network speedy network. Tell them you're putting them on the faster network. They'll be happy. Um, put them on that guest network. Um, and also make sure uh, that, uh, you know, really this is a little bit higher level, but try to make sure as a company, try to make sure that there's no botnets running on your employees' networks. So for companies that have VPN pass-through, uh, there are ways to take that IP address and, and run it in a botnet scan so you can make sure that no devices are compromised on the other side of that network. It's just like a, um, it's like an overall temperature check. Hey, we're just making sure you don't have a fever. That's it. You're not seeing anything. You're not this. You're not that. You're just, hey, let's just check the temperature of this network. Is it hot? Oh, it is. Okay. And now you can go ahead and quarantine them, put their VPN and decrease their services and get someone to try to assist, once again, home network, but try to get someone to assist there. But this is going to be a education around making sure the username and password of that, that router is secure, making sure there's a, get a strong password in terms of Wi-Fi, guest network, um, and making sure that you're doing some type of scanning against that IP address so that you can make sure that it's not a vector of attack for when their devices get compromised on the other side, not if, when, and making sure that it's safe back into the company. Now, are these things that the, the employee can ask the IT department to, to do remotely? Can we sit at our desks at home and go, hey, can you scan my network and check? I'll give you, you know, one password. Can you see if you can get the other two? Or 
Are, are there ways they can they can ping this to see if it's right remotely? So so that, that's part of the problem is, is that the company can't do it because of legal and privacy reasons. Company can't company can't do it. Shouldn't be doing it. What they can do is provide that education and guidance. Um, and most of the people are going to have, right, they're going to have an Orbi or a Linksys or a Netgear or an Eero or a Google, right? They're going to have maybe some type of mesh network, you know, that they have at home. They're going to have something that that is relatively easy, um, relatively easy to give generic instructions on. Um, but at the end of the day, if it's if it's the top 10 or 15 routers or even a survey uh, and you just address the top 10 or 15 routers, um, you can actually have IT code that. Uh, in terms of a handy-dandy PDF for everyone on what to do. Um, and and uh, that's the benefit there. But the IT folks and cybersecurity folks for the company should not be touching the home networks. And it's just a job that would be too insurmountable, but also legal and privacy reasons. So training, not technology invasion. Training, not technology invasion. And to the extent you have third parties that can assist you uh, for certain cases, that's that's where you'll want to go. Cool. Which brings us to fix number two. If you do have a problem, here's your sneaker net access point. How do we fix that one? Yeah, first thing, yeah, I, I hate I hate to say it this way, but look, um, USB drives need to be turned off. Um, they need to be masterfully controlled on the back end. Uh, um, you can do that through GPL policies. Uh, you can do it through a large number of different controls that are available on Mac and Windows. Um, USB drives should be locked down. But you're going to want to communicate that to people, make sure that there's, right, does your sales team need to get data from one place to another or do things on the printer and stuff like that? So one of the things is if you're going to lock down the USB drive, you're going to need to enable printers. And that's probably going to be a little controversial, but I'm going to say, yeah, enable access to the home printers, the HP, the Epsilon, the uh, Epson printer, whatever, right? Enable just the print drivers on your employee's computer so they can print at home. Let me say, well, wait, aren't they just going to print every single document? We No, but they also, they'll try to get around it um, if you don't. So allow them to print from their work computer so they don't have to get it on the other computer, right? They don't have to sneak or net it over or email it over. Enable them to print. And look, at the cost of uh, inkjet and all the rest, <laughs> they're not going to be printing off volumes of information. Um, go ahead and allow for printing so that when people, and it's probably just specific people, you know, help desk support doesn't need to have printing, but finance, legal. I mean, some of these people will need printing enabled. You definitely don't want them trying to sneak your net and get around other controls by emailing documents to their other machines. So I think you definitely want to have some some good controls there. I think as it relates to email, look, um, people have to be able to email um, anyone uh, through their corporate email. You just need to have right tracking on that. And when you see patterns of, right, somebody emailing, you know, chris at acmebank.com, continuously emailing chris at gmail.com, my personal address, um, you know, there needs to be some some explanation around that. Um, and those can all be back-end controls that are done in terms of education, right, and find out what the problem is. Why did you send over 100 documents in a month over to, the, over to your other personal email, right? The threat is having that be resident on that email and on another computer. And if the answer was, well, I needed to print it, solve the printer problem, right? Solve the printer problem. So it's a good way to stop that. Give them direct access rather than making them do the workaround and opening themselves up to an even bigger problem. That's right. All righty. That sounds like terrific advice and easy to do relatively. Which brings us to fix number three. We're talking about those personal printers. Use of personal devices for work is a big no-no. How do you enforce that and how do you fix it? 
This is a hard one. Um, this is a hard one. At the end of the day, you can do those things uh, by enabling them to print from their uh, work device, by enabling them to work on their work device, have the programs that they need on their work device, having a faster submission process by allowing more programs than you would usually allow in the past uh, to be resident on their work computer. Those are all good things. At the end of the day, you're going to want to make sure that when people are using their personal device, somehow they got things around, that there's some antivirus on those devices. Once again, pretty easy to send out a thing saying, hey, as a company, we can't tell you what to do, but it would be great if you were to download you know, one of these five, three, whatever free antivirus programs. Here are the top three for your Windows machine. Here are the top three for your for your, uh, uh, for your Mac, and uh, that will help enable better security there. Pretty easy. And by the way, if you download one of these three and you have a question, you know, we can we can maybe help walk you through some troubleshooting steps uh, type of thing. Or, you know, even give people, uh, I mean, at conferences, uh, you know, these are given away all the time. Give people a pay for a year for free of one software program on both machines so that if and when people are actually on their personal machines, you at least know they have a better chance of being protected. You can't control the machine, but you've just enabled there to be no reason by which that person won't do it. You've taken money out of the equation, you've taken the solution out of the equation, and you know, seems like a really cost-efficient way to do things. So provide the support, provide the information, a little training, and maybe enable some some extra security activity uh, just to make sure that they're taking care of business. Right. It's a, you're 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 fostering it happening, right? You're not putting up impediments. You're fostering it happening, um, but you're still remaining off of their personal device. Perfect. Which, of course, if you're doing all that fostering and training and everything else, points right to our fix number four, which is lack of IT support. They're busy training people. They're not finding and fixing stuff elsewhere. So now you've got to ramp up the. Uh, the level of staffing and, and the, the skiff work and all the rest of it to accommodate this. How do we fix this? Yeah. So in terms of lack of IT support, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, this is, there's some easy fixes here. Number one, making sure that the help number, help information is freely available, widely available and ramping up, right? Uh, ramping up resources there, cybersecurity wise, infrastructure wise, IT wise. So when somebody needs help getting a new program because it just wasn't part of the approved suite, get it in there, get it reviewed, get it out so that people can actually use it or allow people to use it in a trial mode and do the review and analysis later, right? Foster people's ability to work. Uh, make sure that the numbers, the emails are well-staffed. Same thing in terms of phishing emails and all the rest, like make sure that that is easily achievable for each person and that people know, right? Here are the latest scams, here's what's happening. Call this number, report it, forward it off to us. We will help you. Um, that is what you want to be able to do. You want to make it easy. Some programs have, you know, click button uh, uh, extension that's on your browser. You can forward off, uh, forward off suspicious emails to uh, cybersecurity experts. Um, but what you want to do is make it so that even though the people can't see the IT folks, uh, the support folks, the help desk folks, that they are at least able to feel like it's easily accessible and they're easily able to ask their questions in an easy manner. So make it simple and give them some sort of proxy presence so that you know they're ready when they need them. Absolutely. As friction-free as possible. There you go. Which brings us, you mentioned uh, in, in your last uh, bit of advice there about uh, phishing attacks being a big problem. How do we fix the phishing? I suspect it has to do with some training and, and learning to recognize certain aspects. Is that correct? Absolutely. I mean, phishing is going to be training, 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 training. Yes, you have to have the controls in place. 
uh, on the corporate side, and no matter where they are, right, at work, at their desk, or at home, um, they, those controls will will work exactly the same, will absolutely work the same. What doesn't work the same is the asking a friend, calling a friend, reaching out, having in the right policies and procedures here as to, hey, if it's regarding a financial matter, you cannot change things over an email or a text message. You have to have a phone call. You have to have two people on the phone call. You have to do a Zoom and actually see their face. Right. Okay. Yes, it is Becky saying change it from bank account one, two, three, four to five, six, seven, eight. Yep. Okay. Perfect. I saw her. So there are ways to uh, help for those instances. Same thing in terms of right people that are entering in credentials. It's just a look, guys, it's during the time of COVID, right? Educate the people. During the time of COVID, you're going to be more susceptible to phishing, to scams, to uh, fake data entry sites in terms of username, password. Look click this button, submit it here. We will get back to you and then get back to them, right? Get back to them. Uh, and that will go ahead and complete the circle of protection there. Of course, obviously controls are great. Nothing's going to be hundred um, percent. But when ransomware and, and other types of malware is on the line here, uh, you're going to want to have that quick feedback loop. Certainly worth the follow-up as, as well. That's the most important thing that, that most people seem to miss is that it just spins off into the ether and you never knew what happened to it. That's right. The education is part of it of knowing, hey, you were right. Yeah, this looked funny and you're right. It was funny. Don't do that. We have time for one more topic really quickly. There are also some physical threats. Now, you mentioned printing and people printing off reams of documents and that sort of thing. Even if they were to try that for some specific reason, those documents got to end up somewhere or be transmitted to somewhere. How do we fix that? Yeah, look, I will say this is there are going to be some people that absolutely 100% need to print. They just absolutely need to print. So let them print, um, foster it. But then you know what? Solve the back end of it by sending them a $100 Amazon gift card for a, for a shredder. Send a shredder to their home. Um, whatever it is, just right. The shred bins aren't there. All the rest, send them a shredder. $50, $100. Send them a shredder. Um, finance, legal, accounting. These people are going to love printing things off. You might even have other people in different areas, depending on your your company and what they're doing. D just negate the whole thing together. Send them a shredder. Be done with it. They can figure it out for themselves. It sounds like a great solution. I, I know we have a couple floating around our house and, and we use them fairly routinely for stuff that probably doesn't even need it. But uh, it, it can actually be very satisfying to shred documents for a couple of minutes. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. All this sounds like businesses are going to need more support more time, more resources to manage all of these elements if workers are going to work remotely for an extended period of time. What single piece of advice would you give senior advisory staff in our audience they can put in place immediately to meet the most immediate and pressing threat? So I think that the biggest area or um, the biggest area that you're going to get a benefit from immediately is ensuring that everyone who is remote has a clear way to reach out to somebody regarding I'm blocked and I have an infrastructure problem, a program won't run or something won't run there. I have a question about an email I received or a phone call I received or something that looks scamish. I'm not sure whether something is phishing related or whatever. People that are used to being in large corporate work environments are now put on islands, individual islands alone, making sure that they have a friend of the friend, they know exactly who to reach out to, where to reach out, making it stupidly simple, drop Drop three icons on every single person's machines, you know, phishing here, help desk thing here, whatever, so that everyone knows who to ask. And then the thing that you just mentioned is, well, sometimes you send stuff and you get nothing back in return. <laughs> That's not a relationship, right? That's not a relationship. That's not bi-directional. You got to have a give a little and get a little. You have to have that bi-directional relationship. 
That sounds like excellent advice on many levels. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. I know the audience has learned an awful lot, and I know there's advisors out there mulling through how their offices are going to accommodate all this and, and happy they know that there's a threat out there they need to meet. Hey, not a problem. My pleasure. Thank you so much, David. Appreciate it. Always good talking with you. Absolutely. We've been speaking with Dr. Chris Pearson of Black Cloak Cybersecurity about how to secure your network with a majority of the workforce working remotely. If you have questions about cybersecurity or how it affects your business or about anything you've heard on this program, just drop us a line at fouradvisors at pinnacleadvisory.com and we'll get you an answer. You've been listening to Four Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. I'm your host, Dave Polis. And until next time, thanks for listening. You're listening to Four Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. This program is for educational purposes only, and the opinions expressed here by guests do not necessarily fully or accurately reflect the legal intent or nature of Pinnacle Advisor Solutions, Pinnacle Advisory Group, or its senior management. This program is not intended to give legal, investment, or financial planning advice, and opinions and statements made in this podcast should not be relied on as such. 